Mark chapter 6, that's where we'll be this morning, if you want to head that direction. I like it when they, when they take those old lyrics and they put some new lyrics in there, and even when your worship leader messes up the transition, whatever, it doesn't really matter, right? The lyrics are still the same. Uh, what a great, uh, a great thing to step into that kind of truth to join with creation um, and lifting up our creator. As you head toward that, let me take just a minute and thank um, everyone that had anything to do with uh, our church hosting the BCM, their Thursday night uh, worship service, uh, folks who cooked and dropped off food and came and helped uh, serve it and clean it up and everything. So thanks so much for helping us make a, a good showing there and really serving that ministry and those students so well. And then uh, this weekend we had a marriage discipleship uh, Friday night, Saturday morning deal. We had really, the attendance was really great. Um, all the folks that shared their stories just did a, just a phenomenal job. I feel like everyone really connected with what was happening. Uh, the stories of God's faithfulness and his sustaining grace through really difficult times. So if you weren't able to make it, I would encourage you to just find someone who did go and just ask them like, what'd you take away from it? It would be worth, it would be worth that conversation. Um, and then uh, just one quick thing this week on Wednesday, the WMU is going back to Braveheart uh, Ministries to help uh, get things ready. Uh, this is like another trip over there. And so if you want to go on Wednesday morning, you can see Darlene and she can kind of give you some details on that. We're uh, going through Mark. We picked up in chapter six last week. Uh, just going to kind of go paragraph by, by paragraph through there, story by story, looking at whatever God has for us in the scriptures. And I'll be honest with you, this one today wasn't one I was looking forward to preaching. That's the thing about when you go straight through a text, you kind of can't can't avoid some of the ones that you want to. And it's not that I don't like it or don't agree with it. It just, um, I was kind of ready to get to like some of the, the stuff further down in chapter six. And so just complete honesty, this one, I was like, well, you know, you know, we'll see, see what happens. And then the more I read it, the more I just got into it. And that's kind of how God's word is, is it gets, it gets in you, it gets on you a little bit. And when you study it and, and, and um, you let the spirit just begin to teach you things, you, you connect with even the passages that you weren't so sure that you're going to connect with. And so uh, that may not happen for you today. It depends on, I'll do my best to bring you along on that little journey. But uh, this is a, a passage that... Um, that I've you know, heard before, I've grown, kind of grown up around church, so I'm kind of familiar with it, uh, but never really thought that much of it, honestly, uh, until now. So hopefully you can uh, catch, catch my excitement for it. Let's, let's look at it. It starts in verse 7 of chapter 6. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals um, and not put on two tunics. He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that the people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So this, to me, is kind of like a, 
It's one of those moments where the disciples must have been ready, ready for more. You know, they had been uh, accompanying Jesus throughout the region. They had, had listened to him teach. They had, had watched him perform all these miracles. They'd seen uh, him be well-received. They had seen him rejected. Uh, pre- just last, the text right before this that we looked at last week, in Luke's account, they didn't like it so much, they tried to throw him off a cliff. And so they had kind of seen the good and the bad that came along with it. And so here comes this, this commissioning of sorts for these 12. Um, now these guys were probably like mid-teenagers, you know. So they were, uh, they were young and they were figuring some things out. And here Jesus is like, okay, now uh, all this stuff I've been doing, now you go do it. And I'm sure that they were like, what? <laughs> but um, Jesus like takes care of them in a way that really is very similar to our experience. And so what I'd like to do this morning, as I was reading through it and studying through it, I kept saying, like, man, that's, just, that's the same as us. He does the same thing for us. It's the same thing. And so I want to point out three ways that, uh, three things that we have in common with the 12 based on this text. Three things that are the same for our mission as were for their mission. And, and I think that I just want to, I really want to speak to the Christians in the room. If you're a Christian, this will serve as a kind of a reminder message. It's a reminder text for us of exactly what has been entrusted to us by our Savior, our Creator. Um, if you are not a Christian then I would like for you to see this as a snapshot of what the church is supposed to be doing. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe we aren't always great at it. We don't always knock it out of the park necessarily. But this is, what we're, this is what has been put in front of us by God. And so we don't want you to judge God by our execution of this mission. We want you to judge him for who he is. And we're just, we're doing the best that, that we can. We're trying to depend on him. He's forming us into the kind of people that have this kind of mission. But you know, the church, if you're not a Christian, like it may be, the church may be one of the reasons that you're not, one of the reasons that you're resistant. And sometimes the church gets caught up in the wrong stuff. And so if you can just listen to the, listen to the scriptures this morning. And so you could just know that that the mission, like as far as like God's character and His heart and what He wants us to be doing, this is what it, this is what it is. And um, so, listen to His words, not necessarily our actions all the time. However, watch our actions over time, and hopefully, you'll see a transformation into this. That's what He's in the business of doing. So, um, to the Christians in the room, let's let's take a reminder of what we have in common with the twelve here. Uh, the first thing that we have in common with them is that we're all, like us and the 12, we're all sent with authority and instruction. We're sent with authority and instruction. So look again at the the passage. Verse 7, he called the 12 and began to send them out. Okay, so Jesus was like, hey, uh, you go here, you go here, you go here, you go here. There's a a going that happens. Um, So he sends them, and then it says that in verse 7, he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. So a lot of what you see Jesus doing up to this point in Mark is he, he's healing people who are sick and he's uh, is telling demons to leave the bodies of people that they have. Uh, I mean, it's basically exorcisms, all right? And that's that's just that's what we have here. And I know we're we get weirded out by exorcisms because we've seen 
The Exorcist, right? And that's like the weirdest movie in the world. And so we're all a little freaked out by that stuff. But this was like, like real normal things that that the um, the the demonic world would take possession of people, and Jesus would come in, and Jesus, having authority, would say, "Get out of him," and the demons would have to go because they're in submission to him. So he shares this authority with his disciples. So there's like the subtext is like, so you, is like, is this, is like, so you've seen me speak to a demon and it has to leave because it's under my authority. I'm sharing that authority with you as well. So as you go, you'll be able to do what I did. It's not like a, it's not a magic trick and I'm the only one who knows how to do it. It's about authority and I'm sharing it with you. Now it doesn't say this explicitly. I think that's the power of the spirit, like the Holy Spirit at work. And even though the Holy Spirit doesn't come to indwell the people of God until Pentecost, later on in the story, after the resurrection, I think this is one of those moments where that authority he's sharing is the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And so he sends them out, but he doesn't send them out unequipped. He sends them out empowered to go and do what they're going to do. And then he, he gives them a set of instructions. You know, So look at verse 8. Take nothing for their journey except a staff, like a, which is like a walking stick. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. But to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. So a lot of that was, was like um, them preparing for a journey was probably a lot like us preparing for a journey. Like the first time that I went to India, it was me and John Ringo and these two other guys. And the other two guys had been before. Me and Ringo had never been before. And if you know John, John's like 6'4" like football player looking guy. I'm not. And so uh, there were times when, like, there were just things that we didn't know. Like, we didn't know that the, the cabs that we would take were, like, about as big as a shoebox. And I have this picture from sitting from the back seat, and John's in the front seat. And he's, like, his head is tilted this way because the roof is right here. And his arm is, like, hanging out of the cab because he couldn't, the cab was, like, too small. He couldn't fit in it. And I kept joking that he was going to like pedal us, you know, with his left arm. Um, and uh, there, were, there were things where like we got to the airport and we were, we were gone. It was like a nine day trip, I think. So me and John come up, we got the big suitcases. The guys we go to meet, they're in like, like a duffel bag and like a mini backpack. And they're like, oh, are y'all checking bags? And we're like, yeah, we're going overseas for like nine days. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, well, we, we never check bags. Okay, that's good to know. Appreciate that. And so we're lugging these bags all over Calcutta. They can't fit them in the cab. It's like a whole thing. We get there and uh, we're wearing like jeans and t-shirts. And they're in these like breathable pants, you know, and like this like mountain climbing gear type stuff, like dry fit shirts. Like they're all like, what is going on there? It's like, oh, because it's like 120 degrees plus humidity here. They're like, yeah, yeah. Like y'all are going to suffer so much all week in those jeans. Like, good to know. Thank you for that. That's, that's really great. Uh, we, we were wearing like, uh, like boots, you know, like lace up boots and they were wearing like Chacos. And so I'm like, oh man, their feet are going to be so dirty. (laughs) And, but they knew that anytime you go into a house or anywhere, you got to take your shoes off. So we're like 10 minutes worth of like undoing all of our shoelaces and stuff and like trying to go in and they're just like kicking their shoes off at the door, you know. Um, The whole trip was full of all these things that we didn't know because we hadn't been. These two guys knew because they had been, but they never told us anything. 
And I vowed, I said, anyone who ever goes back to India with me will know all of these things. We'll be like, completely prepared for the journey. Jesus gives them these instructions. And a lot of this is, <clears throat> he's like, don't take too much stuff because you're not, you don't need to be focused on that. You don't need to overpack, overprepare. Well, what if this happens? What if this happens? So you just need to go and trust that God will provide. That the people you're going to are going to extend hospitality to you and you can receive that from them. That God will provide you have enough food. Your sandals will make the journey. You don't need to be prepared for the worst case scenario. You just need to focus on the mission. Let God take care of the rest. He gives them those instructions. Verse, look at verse 10. So whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. If any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust from your, on your, that's on your feet as a testimony against them. So he's saying when you get to a town and someone receives you, uh, you might get a better offer. Don't take it. Like they extend hospitality to you, you stay there. You also might get there and it turns out that their accommodations are, they are not very nice, that they were not ready for you. Um, don't like, don't bolt out of there just because you don't like the setting. If someone receives you, you, you accept that hospitality to them. Very specific instructions. So at this point, they're like, they can scratch off, uh, food and shelter from like their list of, of worries. Cause Jesus is like, it'll, God will provide it. It'll be fine. Then he says, and if someone rejects you, he, he walks through them how to handle that. And it sounds really harsh and it might be harsh. I, it's hard to tell. He's like, if someone rejects you, don't freak out about it. Okay? Like, that's, that's really on them. So shake the dust off, uh, off of your feet. Let them know, like, well, like, now it's between you and the Lord. And move on to the next place. Don't start a riot. Don't stir up a bunch of trouble. Just, you know. So he gives them all these really specific instructions about how to conduct themselves and what to do. So they're sent out from the place with authority and with instruction. They are equipped, they are empowered, they know exactly what to do. Now for us, we share, we share like a similar situation. Um, two passages that, that you're probably familiar with. Matthew 28 is known as the Great Commission. Tell me if this sounds like Jesus sending us with authority and instruction. Tell me if you think this meets qualifications. Verse 18, Jesus said to them, um, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. To me, that sounds like being sent with authority and instruction. He follows that up in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so we are under this same, uh, this same idea. We too are sent with authority and with instruction. What we have here in this text is just a, a mini version for them of what we, as like the capital C universal church, are all under now. Jesus says to go. And so for us, we are all sent... You don't have to be a missionary to be sent. You don't have to, to have any sort of um, special extra commissioning. You're under like the only one that really, uh, that matters. So you don't have a job. You don't have a school. You don't have a neighborhood. You have a mission field. 
We have a mission field. To think of where you work, where you study, where you hang out, where you live. To think of it as a mission field is to think of it in a way that is consistent with what Jesus has called us to. There are, are churches where when you, when you leave, when you, you gather together, whenever you, it's time to leave and you go and above the doors, it'll say something like, you're now entering your mission field. Or there'll be signs at the end of the driveway as you're leaving the, the, the church campus, like you're going to your mission field. That is the reality that we live under. And he has shared his authority with us. And so you don't just go to school. You don't just go to work. You don't just go home. You don't just go to your neighborhood or whatever. You go as one who is empowered by Jesus to go. And actually what he says is that we would do greater things than he did. And so we share that power and we share that instruction We have the scriptures to instruct us. It's like, well, how do I, how do I handle, how do I handle conflict? Oh, it's in the book. What's the right way to think about money? Oh, it's in the book. How do I know what to do? Like, what is marriage supposed to look like? Oh, it's in the book. What does my future look like? Oh, it's in the book. It's in the instructions. And here we have the the scriptures, we have our commission, we have the great commandments, we have the church to help us, to teach us. And you think, well, I don't understand the book. It's like, yeah, that's why we gather and we study the book. That's part of what we do. And it is all so that we can, we as the saints can be equipped for the work of ministry to go. And so for these disciples, these young teenagers who were following their rabbi around. And one day he looks at them and says, all right, get in groups of two. I'm sending you out to do the very things that I've been doing. Here's my authority. Here are my instructions. Go. It's no different really than what we do. What you and I live every day to do. So that's the first thing. First thing we have in common with them is that we're all, us and them, sent with authority and instruction. Second thing is that the goal was to bring the kingdom near. That's what Jesus was doing. He was bringing the kingdom of God to the people. Okay? Here's a couple of, a couple of clues from, from these guys. And you don't have to look at the verses. Just, I mean, just all of these key words and phrases, they're just replicating Jesus' ministry. So verse 7, he says that he gives them authority over unclean spirits. That's replicating him. And he's, verse 11, he says, if they won't listen to you, well, that means that they're going to be teaching and, 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 and preaching and explaining like the kingdom of God. And so that's the same thing that Jesus did. Verse 12, they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Okay, that's what Jesus did. Verse 13, they cast out many demons. That's what Jesus did. Also verse 13, they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. That's what Jesus did. And so what they are doing is they are very simply just imitating their rabbi that they've been following around all this time. That's the whole nature of discipleship. You had a rabbi figure, he had these disciples, and they just follow him around. And they watch him, and they listen to him. And they ask him questions, and they learn to talk like him, and they learn to walk like him, and they learn to think like him, and their whole goal is to, is to be exactly like him. And Jesus looks at him and says, guess what, you're ready for this now. You're, you're ready to go in twos to all these towns and just replicate what I've been doing. Just bring the kingdom of God near to people. 
so what does that mean? Well, sometimes we hear kingdom of God and we think heaven, you know, like future heaven. Like, oh, that's the kingdom of God, you know. But the kingdom of God is really summed up best by Jesus himself, of course. He's the best summarizer. In teaching us to pray, he says uh, that we are to pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the summary of what the kingdom of God means. Is that the way it is in heaven is the way it is here on, on earth. That there is a, uh, it is God reigning. This is what Dallas Willard says. Well, it's God reigning. Sorry, that's literally the full definition. God reigning and it is present whenever what God wants done is done. He goes on to say the kingdom of me is where what I want done is done. The kingdom of you is where what you want done is done. Then he says, it's what I can do or control directly or indirectly. So our opportunity is to bring our kingdom into God's kingdom. To say instead of it being what I want, it's about what you want. And so where what God wants is happening, this is like a your will be done situation. This is the, the opposite of the kingdom of the world. We live in the kingdom of the world that's like, well, it's really about whatever you want. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Right, Cheryl? Like that's, like that's what the kingdom of the world expresses. It's like, no, just do whatever makes you happy. It's fine. And that's the only kingdom that was available to anyone. We're all born into that broken kingdom. It's all just focused on ourselves. It's about what I want. It's what make me happy. I just want to make as much money. I just want to be able to do whatever I want. I want to live the dream at all costs. And that's the whole world that, that, that Jesus is going to preach to. So he goes into a group of people and all they are is just obsessed with themselves, whether they, whether they know it or not. They're busted and broken from how sin has broken things. And he goes in and he says, hey, you don't have to live this way. I'm bringing you a new option. You only know one kingdom. I'm here to introduce you to the, the gateway to a new kingdom. And in this kingdom, demons don't have their run of the place. In this kingdom, uh, our, the, the brokenness of our like, physical bodies does not have the last word. In this kingdom, you're not God. In this kingdom, God is God. And he's a way better God than you are. And so Jesus goes in and he begins to tell people this. He says, you need to repent. Like you, you literally, you need to, to stop going in the direction that you're going and go in the opposite direction into this new kingdom, which is now open to you. The kingdom has come near. And so he just sends them out to these towns and says, bring the kingdom near. In what ways? Well, the same ways. Heal them. Cast out their demons. Tell them the truth. And invite them into this new way of life. Show them that there's another option. So for us, what do we do? Well, we do the same thing. Our, our lives, when we are just going through our, our normal Mondays and our normal Tuesdays and Wednesdays and everything, is we are just bringing the kingdom near to wherever we are. That we are the people of God who live differently. Um, I heard it said recently that the, the church is an alternative community. And that really grabbed onto me because we're saying like, yeah, you, you don't have to live that way. There's another option. I told the, the TNT, the BCM group the other night, this, you know, like you guys remember if you're my age, if you're like 40 something, do you remember the first time you heard 
the song Smells Like Teen Spirit? I do. I was like, what is this? And not that I like loved it necessarily, but I was like, I've never heard anything quite like this before. And like, yeah, it's this band called Nirvana. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> and it's because they ha- there's this whole underground music scene that you could only basically find on college radio stations. Because up to that point in time, everything that I had listened to was, it was all top 40 radio. All the big, the big record labels, the big bands, the big tours, and all the big money. And that's kind of everything that you ever heard on the radio or saw on MTV. And we just like lapped it up because we didn't know there's really other stuff. And then they found out that like, oh, the big record labels found out they can make a lot of money off of these bands like Nirvana or Pearl Jam or the Chili Peppers or whatever. All these alternative things. And so college radio used to be the one saying, hey, there's another option you don't have to listen to that garbage. You can listen to better garbage, <laughs> you know? <laughs> there's better, there's just better, and it became like alternative rock, which is now a genre, but whatever. It's, that's what college radio would do, is they would say, you don't have to indulge in that. There, there is an alternative. And that's what we're doing, is we, you go to work, you go to school, you go to wherever, and the way that you just live your life and conduct yourselves, you're sending this message that like, hey, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to approach career and family and marriage and finances and possessions and stuff. You don't have to, you don't have to approach it through that self-driven kingdom of the world. There's an alternative. There's another option that's here. And so we go in and we're like, well, we're the people of faith, hope, and love. And so people start to say, why do you, why'd you make that decision? How'd you get to that point? And you tell them. Why'd you handle that situation that way? Well, you tell them. Why does your marriage look the way it does? Well, you tell them. Why do you raise your kids that way? You tell them. Because we're in an alternative community. We're a faith, hope, and love community. We're a commandment one, commandment two community. We're the people of God who live in the kingdom of God. And we're just basically sent to bring this kingdom closer to this other kingdom. And for them to like exist in the same environment. To exist in the same place where you work or go to school or live. And, they, and they're commingling the whole time. But we're sitting there we're saying, like, hey, you can come into our community. You can come live the way that we do. We're trying to live this life that Jesus has invited us into. This like eternal thing. Where you know, in, in Matthew 25, there's this, this text where he's talking about how... Um, He's separating the sheep from the goats and that there's that whole story. And he says in verse 35, he says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And they're very confused. They're like, when did we didn't, when did you do that? You know? And he says, if, if you did this for anyone ever, it's the same thing as for me. And in that passage, a part of that is saying, yeah, because in my kingdom, If you go through the list, in my kingdom, no one should be hungry. No one should be thirsty. No one should be a stranger. People should always be clothed. No one should be sick and lonely. And no one should be in a situation that they can't change. And no one cares about them. So he's like, so bring that reality into this busted and broken kingdom. Just bring it close to them and tell them about it. And let me, let me do the, the deep heart work. Let me do the drawing. Let me do the convincing. Let me do everything. You just go and be faithful. So he sends them into these ta- into this, these towns, and he just goes in. He's like, just do what I've been doing. Just go t- live in the kingdom. Let them see it. Tell them the truth. 
tell them it can be theirs too. If they don't want it, don't beat them over the head or whatever, or just to let them know, like, hey, this is a really serious business. I hope that you will continue to think about this. But this, there's an urgency here. I need to go to the next place. And for us, you're just like, cool, I'll be here, here at work tomorrow again. <laughs> cool, I'll still live on this street. So anytime you want to talk about it, it's fine. We just keep bringing that kingdom near, imitating our rabbi on earth as it is in heaven, extending that invitation into this new way of life. And it's the same, what they're doing, what we're doing. Here's the third thing. This one's real short. There's none of us have to go alone. He could have sent him out into 12 different towns, right? That would have doubled his efficiency. But no, he said, I want you to go in twos. In this commission that we live under, in this, this incredible blessed opportunity to be sent with authority and instruction to go bring the kingdom near, you don't do it by yourself. You weren't built to do it by yourself. We're made in the image of Father, Son, Spirit, a community. We are meant to live in relationship with others. He's grouped us into churches. And even though we scatter out and you might be the only person at your workplace or at your school or in that class, you know you're never by yourself. The Spirit of God dwells within you. And we are all so connected all the time. You're never truly alone. You might be statistically alone. In, in like one particular environment, but you're never by yourself. That's why, that's part of why we gather. It's part, it's part of why we have small groups uh, that, that are together so that you know I'm not in this by myself. I'm not the only one carrying this burden for these people who, they just don't know the goodness of Jesus. They don't know what we've been singing about today. It's, it's, I'm not saying that there's like anything wrong with them, but they just, they, they're spiritually dead. And Jesus has come to make them spiritually alive. And I want them so badly to know that. You're never by yourself in that. So those are the three things to me that are the same, but that we have in common with the 12. The first, that we're sent with authority and instruction. The second, that our goal is simply to bring the kingdom near. We just imitate our rabbi, just bringing it close to people and invite them in. And the third thing is we don't do it by ourselves. Um, now, there's a uh, there's an optional fourth point if you're a note taker. The f- optional fourth point to me is that there were mixed responses. Like he prepared them for that. They had seen it in his own ministry. He got them ready for it. It's like, hey, some people are going to receive you. It's going to be awesome. Uh, others are not going to want anything to do with you. Uh, the end of the day, we as those as those part of the mission, we have to understand this is a life and death thing. This is a serious thing. We have to have a really healthy burden for those who are spiritually dead, who do not know this Jesus that we know. And you might have someone, someone on your heart, someone that God has been putting in front of you, and they just they may not want it. They may, maybe they used to walk with the Lord, now they don't. You know, there could be so many different scenarios. But if God has sent you to them, you've got to apply this stuff to your life. He sent you with authority. He sent you with instruction. You're empowered. You're equipped. The simple acts of bringing the kingdom near to them. Sometimes that means speaking. Sometimes that means acting. Sometimes it is a mixture of both. Uh, but you do not go by yourself, but you've got to go. 
All 12 of them went, even Judas. But we got to go. This is, this is who we are. We're the people of God. And some of you, like evangelism is like, you're, you, you hate it. You're just like, man, just talk about something else. It makes you nervous. But this is vitally important to our world. And so Jesus is trusting us with this. And he believes that they could do it. He believes that we can do it. And that's really because he's like, look, I'm going to do all the heavy lifting here. All you got to do is just go. Be kind to people. Love them. Tell them the truth. I'll do, I'll do everything else. And so if you're a Christian, I hope that this has been a good reminder. It was a good reminder for me to think through and work through and figure out uh, how this applies to me as a as a son, as a neighbor who has neighbors, you know, and just as someone who's going through normal life stuff. I hope it's been a good reminder for you. If you are not a Christian, I've tried as best I can uh, to let you know that Jesus' agenda is to love you for eternity. And he died so that that could happen. And we're kind of bumbling around as the church sometimes. We get it right, sometimes we don't. But we're really just trying to point you to him. So if you can just look at him, you'll be fine. In a minute, we're going we're gonna to have a time of response to this. And there'll be a couple of our ministers, pastors on the front row, who would love to just talk with you if you just have some questions. You don't have to walk out of here with any sort of mystery about anything that I said or where you stand with the Lord, we would invite you to do that. But in our response time, I want to ask you, those of you who are Christians, especially if you're, if you're here every week, we, we kind of have a, some rhythms that we go through, but I want to do it a little differently today. It, not mechanically different, just in your mind. Um, I want us to do, to go through, I want us to sing and pray and receive communion not only with ourselves in mind, but with people who don't know him in mind. Like I want you to think about someone. I want you to ask God to just put somebody on your heart that you know. And as far as you can tell, they have no, they have no relationship with Jesus. And I would like for you to, to have them in mind as you sing or as you receive communion or as you come in to pray. And maybe maybe you're thinking what it, maybe you're uh, thinking about what it would be like for them to sing these words, for them to get in a communion line one day, for them to take the bread, dip it in the juice, the body of Christ broken for them, the blood of Christ poured out for them. That a part of of your prayer for their salvation is you getting a getting the, the images in their head. Uh, I'm sorry, get those images in your head of what it would be like for them to be raised to walk in newness of life and what that would be like. And that that could become a more active burden for you. Maybe sometimes, maybe just visualizing it in your, in your mind's eye would help you do that. And so you're welcome to come and kneel here and pray. You're welcome in our communion line, whether you're a member here or not. If you want what Jesus is offering to you, that's great. But these songs are very salvation-driven I think there's something powerful about us dreaming. What would it be like for this person to stand and to sing these things? And so that's how I'd like for us to do this today. So let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us.
So how about you just bring yourself before the Lord even more than you already are, just kind of in, in how you're thinking. And ask God to, to place someone, or maybe a couple of someones, on your, on your heart. And before we start moving around, you kind of get a real good idea of who, who he wants you to intercede for in this way. Father, we, um, we thank you for trusting us so much. We thank you for sharing your authority with us through what Christ has done and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your instruction. We thank you for the simplicity of what we're called to and, and yet the, just the eternally significant mission in front of us. So God, for those who want to talk and and pray with someone about what it means to to walk with Jesus, I pray that you just bring them to the front row quickly. For those of us who who have that relationship with you, would you help us to to have a deep burden for those in our lives who don't know you in this closing time, especially whoever it is you put on our heart parents, could be siblings, could be friends, co-workers, neighbors. Could be, I mean, there's just so many possibilities. But as we sing and as we pray and as we receive communion or whatever combination of those things anyone wants to do, do you give us a vision for what it could look like for them to be singing these songs and receiving your body and blood and for them to be kneeling in prayer? you use this time to, to light us on fire uh, to give us that that kind of uh, intensity that we would take this uh, seriously in every relationship so help us in these closing moments God to to really grab onto this and stuff it down deep into our hearts may you be honored by this time we love you we pray this in your name Our tables are open. You can come whenever you're ready.